Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, July 7th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. More than 130,000 people here in the U.S. have now died from COVID-19 as states scramble to combat the outbreak. President Trump avoiding conversations about the coronavirus, instead choosing to focus on controversial re-election efforts. And Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro tests positive for coronavirus after months of downplaying the risks. We begin with the growing threat of the coronavirus here in the U.S. and also in the world as more than 30 states continue to report a spike in cases. States like Florida, Arizona and California are seen and are facing a hospital crisis. Lorraine Casares has more details. Johns Hopkins University reporting the number of known cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. doubles every month. We are still knee-deep in the first wave of this. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms and her husband are among the latest to test positive for the virus. This is scary. Um, it, we, we've done all the things that we thought that we should do, and for us to still test positive, I think really speaks to how easily this virus is spread. She's one of thousands of asymptomatic people that have the potential to spread the disease. A new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences finds asymptomatic or presymptomatic people may be responsible for half of the country's COVID-19 cases. About 20% of people will need hospitalization. About 20% of that of those people will need critical care. And if you end up on a ventilator, 80% of those folks will die. As the death toll tops 130,000, new cases of coronavirus are rising in at least 32 states since last week. Some fear a lack of social distancing during the 4th of July weekend may cause those numbers to keep climbing. We're soon going to get to the point where everybody in the United States knows someone personally who's very sick with COVID-19. That is going to have an incredibly destabilizing effect on the country. Florida is now accounting for 20% of all daily COVID-19 cases in the country. In South Florida, the mayor of Miami-Dade canceling dine-in service at restaurants, reclosing gyms and party venues. We had a doubling of people in ICU and a doubling of people in ventilators. Despite the situation, state education officials ordering schools be back in session for in-person classes in August. Arizona is now the eighth state to surpass 100,000 cases, hospitalizations surging, beds running out, and the positivity rate at 25%. So they're doing some things, but I mean, more than just closing the bars, we need to, we need to kind of lock it down probably for a good 30 days, maybe 45 days, see where things are at, and then decompress and, and reduce the demand on critical care. In California, the governor incrementally shutting the state down again, several counties with severe restrictions. L.A. County reporting its highest number over the past holiday weekend with more cases than 42 other states. Cases are surging, hospitalizations are increasing, and mostly this is all a reflection of a lot more community spread. 
Meanwhile, the city of Chicago, where cases are under control, taking measures to avoid a setback. Passengers coming to Chicago from 15 states where COVID-19 cases are increasing exponentially will be asked to quarantine for 14 days voluntarily. Going on planes and saying, hey, you just came from somewhere, you've got to do 14, 14 uh, days of quarantine? No. The president is said to be visiting South Florida this week for a meeting in human trafficking. Many questioning not only the topic of that meeting in these times, but also the timing of this trip when South Florida is going through a wave of infections. Meanwhile, the mayor of Miami Dade is reversing on some restrictions he had announced yesterday, canceling indoor dining for restaurants and also closing gyms. Today, he is saying that restaurants can have in uh, dining, but it has has to be in a patio or outside in the sidewalk. Also, gyms can remain open, but people need to wear a mask and stay 10 feet away instead of six feet away. Meanwhile, teachers here in this state are fighting back, upset with that order of opening back schools in August. Back to you, Carolina. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. And now about 30 nurses and nurse technicians at a hospital in Texas took to the picket line Monday to demand more personal protective equipment hazard pay, and better working conditions. They stood outside in Compass Health Rehab Hospital near Houston, chanting with signs. A shortage of protective equipment continues to put the lives of frontline workers at risk across the country. And now to Washington. In recent days, President Trump has condemned the destruction of monuments, including some honoring Confederate figures. He has also downplayed the impact of the coronavirus on the U.S. and most recently lashed out at NASCAR's only full-time black driver. As Andrea Linares explains, some Republicans are breaking with the president. With less than four months to go until Election Day and the president trailing in nearly all of the national polls, the commander-in-chief may ramp up the rhetoric in the hopes of firing up his base and keeping the coronavirus out of the headlines. But that's been rather difficult after claiming that a majority of the cases that test positive for coronavirus are totally harmless. The White House press secretary defending the president's comment. What the president was pointing to, and I, I'm glad you brought it up, um, was a factual statement, one that is rooted in science and one that was pointing out the fact uh, that mortality in this country is very low. Despite the fact that President Trump continues to not wear a mask in public, some Republicans are breaking with the president and urging people to wear one. And everyone should be doing that if they're not six feet away from people social distancing and to be on the safe side it's a good idea to do it even if you are six feet away from people mr trump also making headlines for another reason the president suggesting he disagrees with nascar's decision to ban the confederate flag at its races and took aim at nascar's only full-time black driver bubba wallace has Bubba Wallace apologized to all of those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? 
In fact, there was no hoax. A noose operating as a garage pool was found in Wallace's garage. An FBI investigation determined it had been placed there last year, long before Wallace was assigned to that garage. Wallace thanked the FBI for its quick investigation. Well, look, the FBI, as I noted, concluded uh, that this was not a hate crime, uh, and he believes it'd go a long way if um, Bubba came out and acknowledged that as well. The White House press secretary also trying to claim that Trump was not expressing support for the Confederate flag. I spoke to him this morning about this, and he said he was not making a judgment one way or the other. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, a loyal Trump supporter, backing NASCAR's decision. They're trying to grow the sport. The Confederate flag is not a good way to grow your business. And defended Wallace. Well, I don't think Bubba Wallace has anything to apologize for. According to a new Gallup poll, 91% of Republicans approve of President Trump compared to 2% of Democrats. And that's the biggest partisan gap ever recorded for a president in a single poll. Meanwhile, the president's job approval rating is holding steady at a lower level with support from 38% of Americans. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. Now, the fashion brand owned by Canyon West reportedly got between $2 million and $5 million in government loans related to the coronavirus. The government's Paycheck Protection Program was intended to help small businesses keep workers employed during the pandemic with the shutdowns. This follows controversy as reports reveal as much as $273 million in federal coronavirus aid was awarded to more than 100 companies that are owned or operated by major donors to President Trump's election efforts. And speaking of elections, the Supreme Court ruled that states can require presidential electors to back their state's popular vote winner in the Electoral College. The ruling just under four months before the 2020 election leaves in place laws in 32 states and the District of Columbia that require electors to vote for the popular vote winner. Electors usually do that, but have not been required to do so until now. Federal government has awarded $1.6 billion to drug maker Novavax to test and manufacture possible vaccines for the coronavirus. It is the biggest award yet under the Trump administration. The drug maker aims to deliver 100 million doses of any potential vaccine by January. The award will also cover a large-scale phase three trial that could begin in October. And the Texas Center for Drug Development in Houston is looking for volunteers to test another potential coronavirus vaccine. They would take part in vaccine trials that are set to get underway in a couple of weeks. The experimental vaccine has a green light from the FDA to go into phase two and phase three trials. People who participate in the study will not be injected with the actual virus. And phase three trials are in the works for a combination antibody treatment for the virus as well. That's according to an announcement from a biotech company, Regeneron. Trials will evaluate the drug's ability to prevent infection in people who have had close contact with an infected person. It's also being tested for its ability to treat patients who were already infected with the virus. Those trials are said to include more than 1,800 hospitalized patients and more than 1,000 non-hospitalized patients. 
for now thousands of international students pursuing college degrees in the U.S. may have to leave the country if their colleges go to online-only classes in the fall. This after ICE announced Monday that students who fall under some visas may not be able to study in the U.S. if their colleges are only teaching online. And joining us now is Kyle Southern, Policy and Advocacy Director of Higher Education and Workforce at the organization Young Invincibles. Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Kyle, what does this mean for those with a student visa who are already here in the U.S.? So there are about 870,000 currently enrolled um, post-secondary students with these visas in the United States. That's almost 5% of all the post-secondary population. Uh, what this means is that if, as you said earlier, uh, the school decides that it's only safe to have online-only courses this fall, they will either have to transfer schools or return to their home countries. And it's no accident that um, a third of all international students in the U.S. come from China. We should really see this policy announcement as um, an effort to weaken the higher education system, but to also shift a lot of the blame for the coronavirus outbreak to international students. What was your reaction to this announcement? Well, yesterday at Young Invincibles, we made a statement saying that um, this decision really reflects the administration's, um, it's really a xenophobic policy agenda. Um, and it's unfortunate to see that it adds further chaos to the higher education environment. when there's so much uncertainty right now about how can colleges go back safely? How can institutions best serve them? How can students stay on path to can finish their um, degrees? Um, and so it just adds another layer of complexity and chaos that are really um, unsettling time. Now, visa requirements for students have always been strict and coming to the U.S. to take only online courses has been prohibited. Should this pandemic be an exception? Well, it's already been an exception. And as you rightly point out, um, ICE made an exception for spring and summer for those students to have more flexibility in taking courses online. Um, so this is a decision they're making to reverse that exception, having already recognized the really extraordinary time that we're in. And it's uh, poorly timed just really a couple of weeks before some students will be returning to their campuses. Could immigration officials have provided another option considering that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Well, they could have kept the uh, exceptions that they announced for spring semester in place. Um, again, it's important to remember this was a a policy decision that's going to make it more difficult for many students to continue on their educational pathways. Um, this is a, a decision that comes after a couple of, of tough losses for the administration, whether on the DACA case at the Supreme Court um, or with their restrictions on emergency grant aid from Congress to uh, undocumented students, to DACA students, and international students. Um, so it's really more of a, a trend and a face-saving effort by the administration um, than something that's going to be based in any kind of uh, real um, health decision. Now, there are travel restrictions in effect. How will this impact students that need to go back home? That's a big question and a huge concern. Um, we know that there are a few flights going back. You know, many countries are being restrictive on who can come in and out of the country. Um, the EU, for instance, isn't allowing travel um, back from the U.S., although um, that restriction doesn't apply to folks who are from those countries. But it speaks to the challenge that many students will have if they're forced to go um, back home. I think about an institution like Purdue University, whose president has been very forceful on um, asking students to come back to campus, 
but they're also one of the top 10 enrolled um, institutions in the country for international students. So if they have to um, confront an outbreak on campus this fall, many students could be forced to leave that campus and try to get back home or try to manage the very difficult process of transferring institutions, which is even more difficult in the middle of a semester. Now, can anything be done to stop this change, or is it too late, Kyle? Well, I'm not an attorney, but you should expect some challenges in court uh, to be coming pretty quickly on this rule. Um, and I think that it's a real possibility that um, the rule um, could have a, a court or a judge come in and put it on pause, and that could even go through the election. So we need to wait and see on that. Thank you so much, Kyle Southern from the organization Young Invincibles, for your time today. Thank you. Now, in Southern California, a community of farm workers has been impacted by the coronavirus outbreak. As Juan Carlos Gonzalez explains, it's a situation that is playing out in many other farming areas across the country. 176 people who live in this complex for farm workers have been diagnosed with coronavirus. Adolfo is one of them. We've been told to be in quarantine for 14 days here and then we're going to be tested again. They must stay inside Villa Las Brisas, an apartment complex in Oxnard, California, for farm workers who are brought from other countries under a temporary work permit. According to Ventura County health officials, all of the people affected with this COVID-19 are between 20 and 30 years of age. Most of them present very light or no symptoms at all, like Adolfo. I haven't had any symptoms, he says. This 26-year-old from the Mexican state of Oaxaca explains that people like him share common areas, but he says that workers who got very sick have been isolated. When they get really sick, the ambulance comes and take them to the hospital. The national spokesperson for LULAC says that this is a problem happening not only here in California, but in other parts of the country. LULAC as an organization has been dealing with this problem across the country. We've seen it in Colorado, we've seen it in Iowa, we've seen it in Ohio, Pennsylvania, the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, and now even here in California. What is happening is that these contractors are bringing laborers primarily from Mexico, they're putting them in super congested locales, and then when they get sick, they want to return them home without any kind of treatment. According to Ventura County officials, the administration of these dorms has implemented some measures to try to prevent the spread of coronavirus, among other workers. For example, instead of 441 residents, only 205 will be allowed, and maximum of five people will be placed in one room instead of nine. Adolfo said that he hopes to get well to comply with the job he was hired to do. After here, we're going to Salinas, California. The contract ends this October. In Oxnard, California, Juan Carlos Gonzalez, U News. More of U News after this short break.
imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And now to Mexico, where almost two weeks ago, the chief of police was nearly killed in a daytime attack. Now he's getting new threats. Ana Portella has more details. Para Harfush. To Harfush, damned crooked criminal wearing a badge. A few days after suffering an assassination attempt, the Mexico City Public Security Secretary, Omar Garcia Harfush, received new death threats. You forgot you had some of us killed with a group of Marines. We haven't forgotten. Now a video surfaced in social media with three hooded individuals accusing the Secretary of alleged corruption and drug dealing. The messages sent by these groups are usually recorded in open fields or warehouses, so it's suspicious. The secretary blamed the assassination attempt on the Jalisco New Generation cartel, whose leader is one of the DEA's most wanted drug lord, Nemesio El Mencho Ceguera Cervantes. The video was posted on a YouTube account, but so far nobody has claimed responsibility. What happened in Mexico City has to do with a good job that the secretary has been doing. Omar Garcia has been dismantling local gangs, some of them allied with the Jalisco cartel. The Mexican media has reported that the secretary's name and phone number appeared in a notebook belonging to the alleged leader of another cartel, Guerreros Unidos. This criminal organization was supposedly behind the forced disappearance of 43 students in 2014. It would be important if there would have been communication between the cartel and Harfush. This has not been proven. June 2020 was the deadliest month on record, with more than 3,000 people killed. The president said he would end the narco war and promised hacks, not bullets. All this has created a feeling there's a power vacuum. Criminal groups have become more daring. 28 gunmen participated in the attack. So far, 20-plus people have already been arrested, including the alleged mastermind. In Mexico City, Ana Portella, U News. And also in Mexico City, people went about their daily routines on Monday as stores in the capital reopened, even as Mexico became the country with the fifth highest number of coronavirus deaths over the weekend. Shops opened their doors as security guards stood at entrances armed with disinfecting gel and thermometers to scan shoppers before entering. Mexico has more than 266,000 coronavirus cases and more than 31,000 fatalities. And Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has tested positive for COVID-19. Just days earlier, he attended a 4th of July party at the U.S. Embassy in Brasilia and received a scan of his lungs on Monday. Photos show Bolsonaro in close proximity to the U.S. ambassador without a mask or social distancing precautions. Brazil's foreign minister also attended the party along with a host of other high ranking Brazilian authorities. The ambassador announced he will also be tested for COVID-19 following the event.
Thanks for listening to UNews, the podcast. Don't forget to follow UNews on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.